Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. I'm glad that you wore the same outfit as me tonight. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. attitude tease. <laughs> so, uh, hello, everybody. I'm JVL. And I'm here with my best friend, Sarah Longwell. And San Francisco's own Tim Miller. Why are you giving him a Oakland. big wind up? <laughs> Oak down. Oakland? Yeah, it's sort of like how JVL lives in New York, yeah. you know? Very similar, actually. <laughs> so, uh, Donald Trump has some very strange lesions on his hands. Do not like them. Bad energy. Many people are saying it could be leprosy or worse. <laughs> Possibly syphilis. <laughs> so you've learned your lesson, then, about... These, these, uh... all, these all have question marks. They all have question marks on them. Uh, because allegedly, allegedly, he did say that avoiding venereal disease had been his Vietnam. Yeah, remember that. So <laughs> maybe it finally caught up with him. Uh, do you, do the, you have the, any? I have one. Thirty seconds. Well, just for people who aren't in the bulwark slack, it's really it's really spicy there. I have to say that Mona Charon won the thing because I put the picture of the leprosy in because I was I was on this. As <laughs> soon as that picture hit the wire, I was like sending out a mass text about Donald Trump's leprosy, and I sent the text, and she was like. I don't, I don't know about the lesions, but the color of his hands, the shade of his hands is so different than the shade of his face. <laughs> his hands are also small. They're tiny and yeah. pale. Carney hands. I don't know. He didn't look good in Iowa either. He didn't look good. Like when he, uh, the, well, the he was open, walking around with yeah. his coat and he looked like he was a drunk the coming hair. out of the tank for the night. Yeah. He's not looking good. So maybe we'll have a Donald Trump health event. I've been really worried about a Joe Biden health event, but maybe we could get a Donald Trump health event. I know that... I know that you literally just articulated Ron DeSantis' and Nikki Haley's <laughs> strategies. <laughs> I'm praying, baby. I'm praying. <laughs> I wish my mother would do rosaries for evil, but she only does them for good. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about some politics. New Hampshire. The, the snows of New Hampshire are folding on the granite state... As the good folks of the Northeast go to the polls to weigh the can you know, this um, New Hampshire's happening. Uh, I care slightly more than I did about Iowa, but only slightly. I guess I have, I have a couple questions. The first is, which set of polling do you believe? Because we, we are essentially getting two different varieties of polls coming out of New Hampshire. One variety says that Nikki Haley is this close, this close. Like forty four forty or forty thirty eight. And the others say Trump's up by fifteen. Which ones do you guys believe? I believe the Trump's up fifteen once. <laughs> I just don't, I don't know how you could believe anything else based on the Iowa numbers. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean I, again, I, I guess the, the theory of the case for Nikki, the the, the Nikki close polls, the whole, is based entirely on the theory that there are gonna be so many undeclared you know, MSNBC viewing New Englanders who feel inspired to go out to vote because it's their civic duty, and they watch the Commonwealth Club live stream on YouTube, and she's the least bad option, and so they're going to hold their nose and do it. Like that, like the close polls are entirely based on that, and it's just like, 
I just find it hard to, I think that there'll be some of those people, but Nikki Haley is offering them nothing. Like she's doing nothing to galvanize that group. And if you look back at 2016, you know, John Kasich was really offering those folks something. And he got like 17%. Then if you add in Jeb, we had an exclamation point, 10 and a half. That's 27 and a half. And then if you add in Christy, he had like eight or seven, and that's 35. And like all of those candidates were actually offering these undeclared voters something because they were aligned politically. Like Nikki is not, the, you know, they don't even really like her. And so like to so you know think why that he she's going to get above 40 is hard to believe for me. He knows this because he did the focus group podcast this week. I did. And we did New Hampshire. And he listened to a bunch of Biden voters who were going to pull a Republican ballot to go in and vote against Trump. The problem was we did the focus group before Christie dropped out. And they were all Christie people. And so we texted them all after he dropped out. And we were like, so what are you going to do now? And some people were like, forget it. And others were like, ugh, I guess I'll vote for Nikki. And, you know, if it's, this is what happened to her in Iowa. It gets cold. And the people who are like, I guess I'll vote for Nikki are like, it's 40 below. I'm not going out there. And like, I don't know that it's going to be terrible in New Hampshire, but it's just the enthusiasm's not there for her. And the number one thing that they say, and Nikki gets this from both sides, which is they just say they just don't trust her. Right, so the, the why, why couldn't people trust Nimarada? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense don't, to me. That they don't trust her on the uh, Dem side because she does things like not say she won't be Trump's VP, um, and she's all over the place on abortion. Uh, she doesn't know who started the Civil War or what it was about, <laughs> so they don't trust her. And then on the other hand, the Trump people don't trust her because she's an establishment rhino from the old days. Side question. When people agree to be in your focus groups, do they also understand that you're then going to be just texting them personally at all hours of the day? <laughs> that, like, whenever, whenever you have a question about what the people think, you're going to be on your phone texting, Gene, Gene from Oklahoma City. <laughs> Sarah again. <laughs> do you think I personally text these people? I wouldn't put it past you. No. You uh, have a problem. Yeah, I do have a problem. I love the people. Can we throw out one other point about these people that yeah. we're all just going to we're all just analyzing them right now and like we're analyzing the whims of, you know, a handful of like flinty moderate, you know, Portsmouth, uh, you know, citizens to determine whether or not they're going to hold their nose and vote for somebody they hate or not. Uh, it's like it doesn't matter. It's, it doesn't matter. And then what? Like, that's the whole thing about this, right? Like Nikki Haley wins New Hampshire. Let's say that they let's say that all these people are Sarah Longwell. They're just like gosh, okay, I don't like Donald Trump so much, and I'm earnest, and Nikki Haley isn't going to end democracy, so I will vote for her, and then she wins based on those people's votes. Okay, there are no more of those people left the rest of the time, right? The, like, there's no, no, those people don't exist in South Carolina. You come down to Louisiana, let me tell you, those people are Democrats, all right? The Louisiana primary is going to be 92 to 4, and uh, she's going she's gonna to finish behind Vivek Rydens in Louisiana. <laughs> there are no Nikki Haley. So, uh, so there's no, I mean, there was a there was a national poll that that came out today that had her at 13. Like there's a, and so and so the theory of the case of the, like the Mer, uh, Bill Crystal God love you God love you Bill it's just like okay well she ekes out a victory based on undeclared people and then magic fairy dust happens <laughs> <laughs> and all of the Republicans that don't like her change their mind like so it's all it's it's academic. It's pointless. Some of the problems, so, and again, we love Bill, but like part of the problem with this analysis is that 
people get used to seeing this happen in Democratic races or it's happened previously in Republican races. Yes. So they have this old mindset of like, well, look what the Democrats did. Joe Biden, nobody thought he was going anywhere. And then he went to South Carolina. He won whole Democrat. I, I did. Oh, you're always right. I yeah. wrote this piece a hundred times all through 2020. Joe Biden is going to be the nominee. Yeah. Good, man. Great job. Thank you. <laughs> I just want to be seen. Now I don't even know what I was talking about. <laughs> all of these people. The oh, yeah, right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That, that, they, that, then everybody moves. Like, that's just that Republicans are off. They're on, they're on their own planet. That is not going to happen. Also, what ev everybody's going to drop out. Ron DeSantis drops out, and this has always been sort of the flaw in this case. Is like it becomes a one-on-one -on -one race with Nikki. Trump gets DeSantis's twenty points. Like Trump wins by more. Yeah, that's that's the only thing that happens with consolidation. So yeah, it was never going to happen. I did want her to win in New Hampshire because good things should happen sometimes. Sure, I don't know. Same, great. But I don't think it's going to happen either. Okay. Did we talk about New Hampshire enough? No, well, I... I mean, the DeSantis campaign is saying that once, once Nikki loses in New Hampshire, that will then clear the field <laughs> for him to have his one-on-one -on -one race with Trump as well. And uh, I think that's amazing. And we'll, we'll come back to it. We'll circle back to Nikki in a minute. I, I feel bad, because it is bad for America, what's happening. On the other hand, <laughs> if you live long enough, you get to see bad things happen to bad people. <laughs> there is nothing better than watching this Ron DeSantis thing unspool. <laughs> Does he make it out of New Hampshire? I mean, I uh, honestly, so he's I thought that if he had, well, he's not competing in New Hampshire, but when he finishes with six, in New Hampshire. Votes or percent? <laughs> <laughs> so I had thought that if he had lost to Nikki in Iowa, then he would have been out yesterday. Um, but because he finished second, he sort of has to stick around. Next Wednesday, is that a good day for him to get out, do we think? Or next Thursday? Are, we sh are you sure he doesn't drop out before New Hampshire? Yeah, I can't. I'm, it's hard for me to get into his head. I was with you, and I was asked about this, and, t and I was pretty sure I was right. I felt like it was a John Huntsman situation. I lived through this. We finished a gentleman's third in New Hampshire. It was just close enough to make a couple of donors call him up and be like, oh, keep it going. You never know. You, to, you, went from to, you went from fifth to third. Maybe next time we'll be second. And so we flew down to South Carolina. We had an event. Nobody showed up. John Huntsman got sad. He went back to his hotel room. He talked to his wife. And he texts us, and he's like, guys, I think, I think I'm ready to read the concession speech now, right? And so, like, he dropped out, like, three days after New Hampshire. Reality set in. I kind of thought that was, was going to happen for Tiny D. But he seems to be riding it, riding it out. So I, it's hard for me to I, – I, I know that we're supposed to be former Republican insiders who have, who have insight into the brains of Republicans, but I can't get inside Ron DeSantis' brain right now. I have no idea what he's – How do you write out single digits? I well, you have know. money. Does he? So this He's is the other thing. We had the, the fun, the, we had a, a story from NBC News where a source inside the meeting of the DeSantis fundraising committee was assuring people that they could probably raise the resources to stay in through South Carolina. And this is like an NFL owner telling the head coach that he has full confidence in you. <laughs> like this is, when your finance guys are saying, 
we believe that we can raise the money to stay into the race three weeks from now. You don't have the money to stay in the race three weeks from now. Is this the, is DeSantis the worst part? No. Oh, we haven't gotten there yet. Then I have to save my DeSantis material. Well, I'm just trying to figure out where to deploy my material on DeSantis. Do it here. Do it here. We'll do it live. Okay, great. Here's the thing about DeSantis. He somehow manages to be both the worst candidate, but also have the worst strategy. And so the strategy for him, right, was there's always Trumpers, there's maybe Trumpers, and there's move on from Trumpers. And at the end of 2022 and the beginning of 2023, there were a ton of move on Trumpers, and they wanted Ron DeSantis. They were super DeSantis curious. They thought he handled COVID well. They loved that he was putting migrants on planes. They thought he was Trump without the baggage very all mean day to brown long. People, and very they mean. That. They did. Yeah. We got some great sound of that in the. Oh it my is, God! The, the New Hampshire he, focus groups are re- the MAGA focus groups are so dark. <laughs> They're so dark. I mean, I just, anyone say I, I don't I, want to sound I prejudiced? To, I went to Turning Point USA, and I so I felt prepared for the MAGA <laughs> focus groups, and even I was like, "What?" I, a guy literally talked about being worried about Nikki Haley being on the rag. He said, "In a focus it, group, it was it was real." First of all, it started off by a woman being like, "Now I don't want anybody to be mad at me, <laughs> but I just don't think a woman can be president because, and I think the other women can relate to this. We think with our hearts and not with our heads, <laughs> so it's." starts there and then this guy chimes in to be like yeah i just don't think they can have their finger on the button and they carry around the case because they could be having a bad day or on their period or who knows what (laughs) then they get to the desantis thing like he's weak he's a wimp he's running a terrible campaign like the only thing i really liked about him was the way he treated those migrants when he put the migrants on the planes i like that and people are like yeah it's like that was what i needed (laughs) Which goes back to my theory of the case, which was had Jeff Rowe spent zero dollars on ads and put all the money into erecting a statue of Ron DeSantis, <laughs> kicking an immigrant in the butt, <laughs> and put that statue in Iowa and another one in New Hampshire, I think that would have been a much better use of resources <laughs> than the entire DeSantis campaign besides that. Sorry, I got to get back to my... Wait, there's always you, Trumpers. We might need to just get straight to the Q&A. <laughs> no, no, no. The first two I've looked at are pretty hot. Stick around for the Q&A. Keep going. Always Trumpers, maybe Trumpers, move on from Trumpers. All right, so all Ron DeSantis had to do was focus on the move on from Trumpers, but instead he tried to wrestle Trump for his death cult. And by the time he had said that we should abandon Ukraine, have a six-week abortion ban, and that all of Trump's legal things were fine, he'd alienated all the move on from Trumpers. And pretty soon... Trump was DeSantis without the baggage. Like, he was, they were like, I don't know, that guy's fun, that guy's more fun, and look, he's in court all the time. This is great. It's like, this is like watching my favorite television show about the guy who's always in court. It's like a great legal drama. And DeSantis, also, he's the only candidate I've ever seen. He's got this vaunted, he hit 99 counties. Hmm. 99. Cool. When people who meet you like you less after meeting you... Seeing everybody is a bad campaign strategy. I got nothing to add. <laughs> so we, we saw him, and he did show up in New Hampshire. We said he wasn't going to go to New Hampshire, but he did say, I don't have a DeSantis voice. I've tried. I workshopped my DeSantis voice in front of a... DeSantis it, head bobble? It's, uh, yeah, it doesn't... Every booster you take, it just doesn't work. But here's what he said. Every booster you take, you're more likely to get COVID as a result of it. This is how he's going out. He should go out like he came in. Yeah. 
I think he what really is believe- that? he's got red pilled. No, no, no. He really believes. Is that really? He really just yeah, has no, decided. Yeah, that's no. What he he's gotten fully red pilled on the COVID thing. I mean, he has his, his Surgeon General for Florida is an anti-vaxer. And, you know, he said that he was going to make Robert F. Kennedy part of his administration uh, and the Health and Human Services. It's a shame we're going to miss out on that. So, yeah. And this is like the, the so other. Ron DeSantis finally found something he believes in. Yeah. And the thing he believes in is hating science. Yeah, it's hating vaccines. Yeah. Don't be, let's be fair. He hates gay people, too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, not fully on science. He's, he's actually done okay. He's okay on climate change. Ron DeSantis don't tell secretly to. okay on climate change. Don't tell any voters. Don't tell anyone. Talk about that. You can't, can't talk about any of the good things that you do in a Republican primary. It's kind of it's one of the problems. My DeSantis thing is, um, I, his all of these people that were so adamant to support Ron DeSantis at the beginning because he was the cost-free way off of Trump, right? Like we, uh, uh, they all turned out to be exactly who we thought they were. Like they are not even. They've all abandoned ship, right? Like the National Review. Ron DeSantis has no endorsements, and it's just him and Chip Roy and Thomas Massey, who's like a libertarian weirdo. Like, that's it. That's all that's left on Have the Have you DeSantis seen Thomas plane. Massey on TV? Strange fella. Strange dude. He yeah. had one of the smartest quotes of all time about the Republican Party. Do you know the Thomas Massey quote? No. So good. Yeah. yeah Tom, Thomas Massey was like, he's this libertarian Ron Paul type. And he was like, before Trump, I always thought that Republican voters wanted the most conservative, most anti-government candidate in the race. What I realized after 2016 is that they were looking for the craziest son of a bitch in the race. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's kind of astute for a Republican congressman. Anyway, but th- they've all jumped ship. To see, like, so I don't, I don't know why. I guess my, what I'm saying is I don't know why I have to spend time on Ron DeSantis if even his supporters have given up on him. JBL gave a decent reason, which is it is fun to watch. Yeah. So, I mean, it's fun know, to watch him. Look, we take our pleasure lose, where we can find yeah. Yeah, That's true. Right? That's fair. Um, I, I propose this in a, a newsletter that I wrote, which I'm sure neither of you have read. Um, a loyal reader. I propose... You know, I like read your Cambridge. piece in The Atlantic. It was good. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Proposed. Ron DeSantis ran the worst primary campaign of any of our lifetimes. Let me, let me unpack that before you, re- okay. before you react to it. First question is for you, Tim, who ran the second and third place. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you could make a reasonable case that even Somebody this time really around, like everybody in the Republican race who got in left a little bit better than they, than they started, right? Mike Pence, I think, got the postscript for his, for his time in, in American civic life. I think we all, you know, in a, to a good way, because he's an American hero. That's right. Fight me about that. Mike Pence is the hero we need. Um, I, Tim Scott, sort of, you know, even Steven. But, you know, he looked like a, he raised his profile a little bit. Nikki Haley is going to get appointed to some corporate boards eventually. Uh, Vivek, people now know who he is, which is something he cares about. I mean, they, they all... They all did okay for themselves. There's that old adage in politics, right? It's never a bad thing to run for president. You know, you can only you can only be helped by running for president. I think Ron DeSantis destroyed his entire life by running for president. <laughs> I don't know. I think Casey's going to come out okay. But she's, she's going to run a- away from the stink of her husband. She would have been fine without it. I don't know. He'll stand there in his lifts and he'll smile awkwardly and you know and she'll eat his pudding. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to make a great governor of Florida. Doing his weird mouth. <laughs> uh, do you remember that? That gif of him just like doing the mouth thing? 
It's amazing. Yeah, I got to tell you, I think it's I, I think it's cl- a clear choice between him and Scott Walker. I think that Hillary and Jeb are cl- are close for a tied third as far as the worst primaries of our adult life. If this is a serious question, this is a serious. Yeah, question. but yeah. Uh, but you know, Hillary ends up being nominated again. We're not going to talk mm-hmm. about what happened then. Um, Jeb left with his dignity. Bad campaign. We Bad campaign. But he left with he his left dignity. Some dignity yeah, yeah. Right. Um, I mean, he didn't endorse Trump. He didn't suckle up to Trump like Ron DeSantis is going to end up having to do. I and mean, just think about him. Stand, he's going to be standing behind Trump making that weird smile. <laughs> I mean, to endorse him. I, I hope that Trump tells Donald him to go get Trump. on the plane. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, I so, I, you know, and wa- but wa- what the, Walker is the comp, right? Like Walker ended up leading the Republican primary in 16 for a while. And now he's like making ham sandwiches alone in Wisconsin. Like, he nothing. got out before he had to lose any votes. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. And so that yeah, he got out with dignity. Yeah, so that is why it's clearly it's clearly Ron DeSantis. The other big difference between DeSantis and Walker is in sixteen we really in our defense, like we didn't realize how stupid the Republican base really was. Like we just we really didn't. Like we thought that eventually we thought we were reliving twelve. You know, where it's like Herman Cain leads the polls and they're like and then they vote and they're like, I'm not really gonna vote for the pizza guy. Like that's what we thought was gonna happen with Trump and I and I think that was rational. It was wrong mistaken we were political professionals so we should have been better but it was at least a rational thought this time like you knew what the base was you knew exactly what they were looking for and ron DeSantis still ran the exact same stupid campaign that ted cruz ran in 2016 no sort of i don't think they knew i don't think i think nikki How haley not know I just think they don't Mike, meet these people. No, they, no, it's they been don't. Eight years. They hang out at AEI conferences and with rich donors, and they do sit on corporate boards, and they spend very little time with regular voters. They don't understand the Trump phenomenon. You can't tell me Mike Pence runs if he understands base voters. No. Well, but you should have. I, I mean, maybe. Like, I mean, I guess you might have a humiliation. It was case, defensible for us to not understand in 2016 how crazy they had yeah. become. It is not defensible in 2016. I agree. I agree. That, that, so that's why I think it's the worst one. I think Mike Pence did a fine job running. And I think he knew that he was going to go back and rehabilitate his reputation. The fact that this is, you've chosen this as your hill to die on is so weird. I love to me. it. <laughs> I love it so much. Uh, as bad as Ron Also, uh, do you think Nikki yeah. Haley's going to be the VP still? That's what you wrote for The Atlantic. So what, Show of hands, is JVL right that Nikki Haley is going to be the VP? Let's see who's on your side. Not what I wrote. What I wrote was that she was the front runner. <laughs> and what I said at the time was, look, if you have to choose Nikki or the field, you should still take the field. But if you're going to rank them all by probability, I think Nikki should be considered the leader. I think that is a perfectly normal thing to do. Uh, that said, she's the worst. <laughs> So uh, being interviewed with Dana Bash with her work husband, Kristen Nunu, sitting next to her, which is a weird thing. He just follows her everywhere. <coughs> He's in everything. Thing. Yeah. Like just sitting there. He's like her Chris Christie. Have you, have, you ever, have you ever watched a discussion with her actual husband? No. Okay. I think it'd make a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she, Dana Bash says, how do you feel about your party's frontrunner front being found liable for sexual abuse? Nikki Haley. First of all, I haven't paid attention to his cases. <laughs> she just missed it. She just, <laughs> I don't know. Is that a thing that happened? All I know is he's innocent until proven guilty. You have investigations on Trump and Biden. What sort of brain dead response is that? Because it's, it's not good enough for anybody. Well, why would you criticize the person you're running against for president? How much sense does that make? Even so, though, right? It doesn't. 
I'm just saying that if you're Nikki Haley, this doesn't help you with anybody. All, this, all that response does is lose you votes somewhere. Oh. Yes. What is happening? What is wrong with these people? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I hate it when you ask what is wrong with these yeah, people I, I, earnestly. I mean, I like, they, they have been told, they've rationalized the idea that the only way to, have, to be successful within the Republican Party is to not get on the wrong side of Trump voters. And so you do this post hoc rationalization of all this stuff and you give crazy answers and it's self-fulfilling, right? Because then you seem like a typical politician. Right. And what the MAGA people want is somebody that says it like it is. You know what I mean? And so when she's giving these answers, thinking that it's going to, you know, help make them not mad at her. But all this is reinforce their view that she's phony. Here, let me just. Tim's a campaign guy, so he'll he'll understand this. What do candidates do? What do they have? What do they keep? What do their staffs do? They when they want to criticize somebody they're running against, they have a book, right? There's a little book, yeah. Like an oppo file. Yeah, right. It's filled with all the bad things. That the other candidate has ever done or said. Right. No, so I know this. Let's the one say, that Donald Trump says he page started one. Operation Warp Speed. No, and page one. Create <laughs> right. a vaccine. He was the best president ever. Because page one could be like convicted in civil court of rape. Page two did an insurrection. Page three lied about the election being stolen and wouldn't leave the White House. None of those are even in the conversation. So like they don't want they don't want to win. Nikki yeah, Haley they're doesn't not running a real they're, campaign, they're is the answer to the question. They're not running an actual campaign. They're hoping, like many of us, that he dies. That's it. <laughs> That's, right. That's the campaign. That's the answer. Like, if you're like, why are they doing what they're Don't doing? Don't clap for that. Don't clap. <laughs> Team Leprosy. Leprosy 2024. <laughs> That's great. Uh, all right, so listen, uh, Mike Pence, the greatest American of our time. Yes. Um, <laughs> He got done dirty by his former chief of staff, Nick Ayers, this week. Do either of you have some thoughts on this? Have you ever met Nick Ayers? No. I try not to meet people, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you. That's why you need your shirt to express your salutations. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I don't blame you. In a category of just the worst people you'll ever meet, Republican political consultants, like Nick Ayers. Which is, this is a tough category. Yeah. Right? And, <laughs> but like Nick Ayers laps the field. Okay. I just want everybody to get on their little phone and Google him. And all you got to do is just look at his face if you want to afterwards. And you can just know. You don't know. You don't even have to mean you just know. You're like that guy. But so for some reason, Mike Pence, who made a lot of mistakes, let's be honest. He did one. He had one good day, which is better than, better, better than, Don, better than Ron DeSantis. <laughs> But uh, he had one good day. He made a lot of mistakes, including hiring this guy to be his chief of staff. And, uh, you know, he does all the phony, fake, pious, religious stuff. And him and Pence pray together. And they care about the country and abortion and blah, blah, blah. Well, um, I, don't, I don't know if you recall, but uh, Mike Pence's boss enc- uh, was, in- was encouraging a mob that wanted to hang him. Yes. So you'd think that, like, if you were really loyal to that boss and you prayed together and you guys were, you know, in, in, you know, in fellowship together, that you probably wouldn't want to, like, just shiv him and go support the person that wanted him hanged. <laughs> not true if you're Nick Ayers. Nick Ayers came out today and endorsed Donald Trump while the primary is still not over. And this is the thing, and me and Bill have been talking about this. This is the thing that, like, it is... It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things whether Nick Ayers or Marco or Joan, any of these people endorse Trump in April or now. It doesn't really, like, effectively it doesn't matter. But it does say something about them as a person, right? That they, were, that they are not, that while the campaign is still effectively on, like Nick Ayers or Marco or any of these people could have said today, you know, this is the moment. <laughs> 
to get behind Ron DeSantis, right? Like that Donald Trump, you know, he was a great president, blah, blah, blah. But he did do that insurrection, and maybe we have a chance right now. So before the, well, before the people have had their say, I'm going to come out and go campaign for a few days with Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, and then I will, you know, be a supplicant again. Any of them could have done that. None of them have done it. None of them. Nikki Haley's endorsements are totally indistinguishable from if Bill Crystal had run for president. She has Chris. He Sununu. never would have gotten Ralph Norman. She, you know, <laughs> she has Chris Sununu and Larry Hogan. That's it. None of these people are, are even trying to beat him. And so they've all made the choice that for their own careers, that they're going to get behind the guy that, that they all knew and saw for what he was on January 6th. And they're doing it now them and like they really they really deserve everybody's anger and they do not deserve to spit at spago forget yeah, spago they don't even deserve a goddamn table at applebee's nick Ayers. <laughs> cracker barrel i hope the doj is not here i know that's right and nick Ayers might be the chief of staff to donald trump next time so we might really be in trouble that's amazing but him. they got podcasting equipment in the gulag hell yeah so uh Donald Trump's been in court. This is the Eugene Carroll. I, I'm sorry. I have to read these things to you guys because I'm not sure who's. This is the. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, in, in the convention in journalism is when you're quoting something, you put it into block quotes, but then sometimes you have to clean it up or do stuff that's inaudible to put it into brackets. So brackets, not parentheses, or the weird thing you use on your copy, Tim, which is use the, I don't even know what they're called. What? It's on the same key as the brackets, but it's like the curly Q. Yeah, the curly the, bracket. The, I yeah. love those. Yes, but they're not real. <laughs> it's not what you use. You take it out every time? I don't even notice. I don't even notice what you do to my, my copy. We have a, this is just like total inside baseball joke, but uh, edit people long enough and you reach the point that you can tell when their copy is in without the name on the file. You just read it. And from the way it's formatted, you know who wrote it. Like, uh, oh, yeah, this is the aerial 10-point. I know who that is. <laughs> um, all right, so this is Donald Trump, and here's the bracketed. Muttering loudly during testimony of Eugene Carroll, words heard are con job and witch hunt. <laughs> the attorney, bracket, objects that the jury can hear Trump's outburst. Judge Kaplan. Mr. Trump has the right to be present here. That right can be forfeited. And it can be forfeited if he is disruptive. She turns to Mr. Trump. Mr. Trump, I hope I don't have to consider excluding you from the trial. I understand that you are probably very eager for me to do that. Trump throws up hands. I would love it. I would love it. <laughs> Judge Kaplan, I know you would. I know you would. You just can't control yourself in this circumstance, apparently. Trump, you can't either. <laughs> Despite the fact that I got an absurdly high LSAT score, I did not go to law school. Is this... Is this good courtroom stuff? Is this, like, what... We, what did, it, we did a show where JBL talked about his LSAT scores, and the editor cut it for time, and he, JBL freaked, Never forget. freaked out and made sure to put it in the next episode where it That's made right. no sense. He just said, I want to tell you what I got on my LSAT scores. That's right. I carry on the shame of my med school rejections, and the only thing I have to pacify me is my insanely high LSAT score. 
you took so many tests for higher education and you never went to any of it. Like you did, you have no higher degrees. True. <laughs> but I could have gone to law school. I got into two law schools. Oh, great. Zero medical Stipulated counselor. Question. <laughs> My question is, what the f- is happening where you have this man like acting like an insane person in court? Okay, so and it's just like, yeah, that's where we are as, as a country. So I, maybe he's going to be president again. <laughs> so I find the legal stuff confounding because you may know there's two cases right now, and none of them are the six felony cases. There's two civil cases going on, and so I had to start a whole nother podcast with George Conway, where yeah, thanks. <laughs> where he just explains legal stuff to me. And in this particular case, you want to know what's funny about this case? There's not a jury. Yeah. It's just that judge that he's yelling at. Like, that's who's going to rule on this case. Because here's the thing. Trump doesn't care because all he's trying to do is delay all of this. So this is for voters, right? This is for his voters to show them how he fights, how nobody can get him down, how he's taking on the system. Then he's going to try to delay, delay, delay. And then he's going to be president and nobody can put him in jail. That's his plan. It's almost as good as your plan of just him dying. Like, these are the plans. The plans are, I will yell at all the judges and then become president and have total immunity. The problem is that the people are just looking for somebody who's going to give the what for to the sanctimonious judges. People are sick of Those lady judges. Why do they, how, how, the she could be on her period. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie Dimon has his finger on the pulse. He knows that people are just sick of the elites and they're just looking for someone to Jamie act Dimon in court. Thinks that people are sick of the elites. Yes, that's right. And they're just and the people just they're looking for somebody. Oh, capitalism to, is amazing. I keep telling you people. And all caps bleats about the person they raped 40 times in a single day. Would so, you let your child be on a t-ball team with somebody? And if you went to their truth feed and they were talking about someone they raped 30 years ago and how they're a bird brain? Probably not. So here is from, uh, from Trump's truth no. social feed today. It's in all caps, but I'm not going to yell at you. So just, just pretend that I'm screaming in all caps. The president must have full immunity, even, even in events that cross the line. <laughs> And he then goes on to compare it to the police. And he says, just the same way the police must have full immunity, even though there are bad apples. And sometimes they do bad things because you can't try to stop bad police from doing bad things because then the whole social order breaks down. And I thought to myself, isn't that what commies like me have always thought? That the police actually have qualified immunity. Right? And he's just, he just said it. We've always thought that their opinion was you shouldn't even try to prosecute bad cops. And here he is admitting it. And all those people are just like, yeah, that's right. And, uh, I have a bunch of questions. But here's the first one. The logic of Trump's position is that Joe Biden could have him assassinated tomorrow. That's right. Okay. Trump Don't also- say anything. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> no. You know? I've heard worse arguments. Trump <laughs> Trump also believes that Joe Biden is a corrupt head of a criminal crime family. Criminal crime family. <laughs> head of a crime family. Correct? He does. So Donald Trump says that Joe Biden is a mobster who is legally entitled to have him rubbed out 
He can't believe both of those things, right? Because if he did, he'd be signing his own death warrant. No? Yeah, I'd with the part. What do the people in your focus group say about this? Uh, it depends on the people. Uh, the part that I like, though, is where he says, even when they cross the line. Even Doesn't when. that feel like a little bit of an admission that maybe once or twice <laughs> there might have been a line that he crossed? I, 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 I am I serious like how, about this. I like though. how that right. he sends out a bleat about how he wants to be a you know, dictator that has no... You know, there are no rules, no norms, that he's above the law, that he kind of slides under that. I also think cops should be able to kill black people whenever they want. Yes. You know, and it's like, that doesn't even make the news. No, it's like, like not it's a, like, no, like, no. Like, like, literally, I didn't, because I, I hadn't read the whole thing, and I'd read several articles about how he, you know, thought he was above the law, and then I finally went back and read the thing, and I was like, oh, yeah, he threw in this little thing about killing black people in there, too. That doesn't even, that doesn't even make the nightly news anymore. Which is the point, actually. What do my focus groups think about it? Nothing, because they have no idea that he's doing it. Yeah. Because this, th- th- a weird thing is happening, and it has to, part of my optimistic case around Joe Biden is that this is a thing that has to change once Trump is the nominee. But I do have a slight fear about how baked in this weird stuff is, where he can just say, I'm immune from prosecution, and also... I only had a word for this, a psychological word. Con- con- malignant, con- yeah, malignant narcissism. No, 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 he's been a lawyer, but he's also kind of like a, on the side. He's, he's reading he's psychology. He's moonlighting as a psychologist, <laughs> but just of about, Donald Trump. Yeah, about how people get used to weird stuff. Like, oh, it's just human nature. It's human nature. After time, you know, you adapt, right, to your surroundings, and our surroundings is that, like, we have an absolutely insane madman, like, throwing feces at the wall and, like, being one of the leaders of one of our two major parties, and people are just kind of like, yeah. He talked about serving more than four more years last week. This is a thing that happened, right? Again, something I wrote and predicted months ago. <laughs> and literally, I think I'm the only person who noticed it. It, did, it wasn't in the news anywhere. If Joe Biden said, you know, if Joe Biden, uh, you know, put out something on, on Twitter and said, yeah, you know, after we beat Donald Trump, take a look at uh, that third term thing. Everybody would lose their minds. This is, I, 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 Joe I, Biden's I just, pretty old. I, uh, Joe Biden is old. I had a feeling. I had this feeling about the Trump victory speech in Iowa. Did anybody watch it? Anybody suffer through that? Or just I me? watched it. Okay, so he does the victory speech, and it was it was subdued for Trump, right? It was relatively subdued, but. Over the course of the speech, he talked about how the 2020 election was stolen from him and how the great people of Iowa understand that he was robbed and that Joe Biden's an illegitimate president. And then he invites a person from the crowd wearing a suit made of bricks, the brick man. And, and, uh, and he invites him up to the stage, and they talk about how great the brick man is, that he is uh, prescient about it. And that's what it's I thought. Also, a little about sus. The, also about the Biden thing. Like Biden gives a speech where he's like, you know, uh, I, where he's relitigating things from like 1990, uh, you know, he's like Gal Gore got screwed. Like if I, if I <laughs> this other good speech, like Al Gore gets screwed, and then he invites somebody in a Hamas flag up onto the stage. <laughs> it was just like CNN would be having the vapors, like for like days. It'd be all they would talk about about how like Joe Biden has dementia and he's and he's in, in league with the far left. But like, but the response to the Trump speech on CNN was like, wow. Mr. Trump pivoting to the general. He only brought Brickman <laughs> up for a couple minutes. He looks presidential. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I promise we won't end dark. Oh yeah, we will. I've got. I'm in charge. Of, <laughs> I'm in charge of the audience Q and A. 
we won't end the, the formal part of the <laughs> podcast, Dark. Uh, did either of you read the John Chait piece? It's like 9,000 words. Has anybody here read that? Boy, I had to I get through all your newsletters. You know? I tried, but it was, it was a bear. Uh, read I read about the first 20%. So Chait talks about how the anti-Trump coalition has fallen apart over the last four years. And he opens with a little potted history of Weimar Germany and how what happened was um, the socialists in Germany participated in overthrowing the liberal government because they believed that once the liberals were gone, people would see how crazy the Nazis were and they'd choose communism instead. (laughs) 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 And uh, he then goes to just have a, you know, marshal a little bit of data about young voters and voters who are like really upset about uh, Palestine and have Joe Biden's genocide and all this stuff. So you're saying the San Francisco City Council is his, maybe uh, socialist <laughs> maybe uh, comparison, but he, I would say it is a deeply depressing thing because he, it's a description of where we are right now, right? And all the national polling shows this. Trump is either even with Biden or he's ahead by about four points. I understand that it's the national polling doesn't mean anything, but it it actually does mean something. If you if somebody's ahead by four points nationally, then they're going to win Pennsylvania. That's just the way it's going to be. Uh, and that's where we are right now. And so if things are, things have to change, right? I mean, we, we can't just like, hey, if we glide from where we are right now, then everything will, will be okay. Things have to turn around. And this is, I'm going to tee this up for you with your latest project, because I'm sorry you have to save the country again, Sarah. You and your tiny lesbian friends, like Tara yeah. Swisher and... <laughs> Uh, there aren't that many there tiny lesbians. There aren't enough tiny lesbians. There aren't enough tiny lesbians <laughs> to save American democracy. We've got, we've got a few lesbians out here. Good job. I yeah. All right. I blocked a couple lesbians. <laughs> you should be careful just throwing it around. I've you don't good, know. I got lesbian bar. <laughs> so this, I just want to put a quarter in the machine. Lady with the axe. <laughs> like, she's got to be a lesbian. <laughs> Tell the people, the people, how you're going to save America. I'm not going to talk about that right now. Um, not just broadly. I think what I'm going to talk about is how things are going to change for Joe Biden. Because your point is something has to change. And what I think what is clear, you're going to start to see a lot of pieces, a lot of think pieces from the mainstream media, and they're all going to start to realize that there's something going on with voters where they have a certain kind of amnesia about Trump. Because he is bleeding on Truth Social and not in the public eye, people have a very clear sense right now of what they don't like about Joe Biden. He is the one that they see. He is the one they think of when they worry about why the economy is the way it is. Uh, the but economy I, is amazing. But, and voters are allowed. Oh, so, okay. Don't be on JVL's side. Uh, the economy no. is amazing, and Mike Pence is a hero. Yeah. There. If you clap for yeah. one, you're clapping for both. <laughs> Congratulations yeah, no. on finding a bunch of people in San Francisco who yeah. think the economy is doing well. Yeah, we had a few VCs right. in the back yeah. corner. We're doing pretty good. Uh, I do think I do think the economy is going to. Voters are a lagging indicator on the economy. The economy has to like that's like a table stakes because the economy has to be off the table for Trump because that is the thing that you hear voters here all the time, including swing voters, say. I just feel like the economy was better under Trump. They have forgotten about the pandemic. It's like a weird thing they just cut out. They don't like think about the fact that he cratered the economy by mismanaging the pandemic, and it's just not in there. 
So the economy does have to come back, and I think voters will notice it as it does. It is coming back, and like once they start cutting interest rates, I think you're going to see real movement in sort of voters' perception. We are already starting to see voters start to catch up a little bit. But the most important thing is the contrast with Trump. People have forgotten about Trump. They just have. He's not present. Uh, the media is not covering him in this weird way. And until he is, the the people, all the people in our business, they talk about like, well, what about the issues and all this stuff? The thing about Trump is people feel viscerally toward him. Some people, for reasons I can't imagine, find him funny and enjoyable. But many people, including these swing voters, find him repellent, which is how I've always found him. And so, yeah, I mean, he is repellent. Um, but, but most of the swing voters, like the swing voters, when you put him in front of and the thing is he is going to do and say a thousand horrible things between now and November, things we can't even imagine. He's going to dine with white supremacists, and he's going to, I don't know, kick a toddler. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised he hasn't taken a shot at Nikki Haley's dying dad yet. I was thinking about some draft bleats he could do about that. That could be this week. Well, he's too busy doing birtherism on yeah. her right now. Yeah. But he is, he is, the voters are not locked into the fact that this is Biden or Trump. I was my favorite other kind of focus group. I was in an Uber. Uh, it was, you know, it takes forever to get anywhere in the oh, city. God. Thomas Friedman is here. Lesbian <laughs> Thomas Friedman. And just this guy. Listen, I like to ask people what they think, but he does the same thing. Did you ask him for his numbers? You could text him questions <laughs> later, too. We just chatted, and he was like, it's not really going to be Biden and Trump. And that's how all the voters think right now. Peter, who are not locked in, they do not think it's going to be one of these two guys. And I do think the contrast, once people do, it's going to change the contours of this race. Because people would rather vote for, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything about Joe Biden, but like, as long as Joe Biden is standing on, as long as he's standing on two legs, they will vote. They're not, you are not building a pro-Joe Biden coalition. You are building an anti-Trump coalition. What if he's riding a rascal? If he's riding a rascal, will they still think, vote for him? <laughs> I think it'll be okay. Joe Biden can eke out, I think, a victory against Donald Trump because I think the anti-Trump coalition, nothing. And you, Democrats, when, if Joe Biden gets reelected, Democrats have their own really tough reckoning coming. And there is a, a chasm between the progressives. Just your coalition's a mess. Uh, the, the, the Republican coalition is crazy and is now terrible, but it's like all together. Super cohesive, uh, though. Yeah, very cohesive. No, but it's very cohesive. Yeah, well, when it's you're just 98% white and we all come from the same place, yeah, it works. It's kind of cohesive except for the Mitt Romney people. I got to tell you, when I was at, the, I went to the uh, MAGA New York Young Republicans Club to watch the Iowa caucus results, as one does, um, when it was in New York. And uh, I'm walking up the stairs. The, they have the speakeasy in New York. It's a MAGA speakeasy. They opened during COVID so they could, like, blow particles on each other <laughs> and not, not be worried about it. And, um, uh, and so I'm walking up the stairs, and a young woman, or about about my age, um, is walks up behind me, and she says, "Hey, Tim, are you Tim Miller?" And I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Uh oh, okay, this guy, I don't I don't like to be recognized in these spaces." And I was like, "Oh yeah." What, what? And she's like, "Oh, I met you when you were on Jeb." And she's like, "I worked for Mitt, and I was a lawyer." And I was like, "Oh, interesting. What are you doing here?" And she was like, "Well, I, I just moved to New York, and so I signed up for the New York Young Republicans Club. I thought it was going to be an interesting place to meet people, and I don't know, maybe find somebody to date." And I was like. 
you're in for a fucking surprise when we open this door, lady. <laughs> and I was like, we, we open the door. <laughs> it's like a guy in a shirt that's like, Roger Stone did nothing wrong. <laughs> and, her, and like throughout the whole night, she keeps looking at, because I didn't interview these bozos, and she's like in the corner sipping a wine, like looking at me. So it's not totally cohesive. There are a few people who haven't, who haven't quite recognized the That woman yet. is four seconds away from being a Democrat. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> like that. <laughs> Like the rest of us now. I think that's right. All right, guys, it's that time. Good show, long show. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much for coming out. We're so grateful. And uh, Tim, you want to ask me Sarah, do you want to recognize any, anybody, any VIPs in the crowd? Yeah, I just want to say my in-laws are here somewhere right there. Uh, my college roommate is here. Uh my best, some a bunch of my best friends are here anyway, and like, and some assorted business associates. Uh, and I just like, thanks for coming, guys. It's really nice. Uh, and JBL's mother-in-law is here. My mother-in-law, Peggy. Yeah. Hey, Shannon. Miss Shannon. Hey. Oakland Posse. Oakland Posse represent. Um, there we go. Uh, all right. And uh, hi like- to all the people in the overflow room. There's an overflow room. And they're just, they're watching us on the screen in there. So cool. I like, yeah. uh, I've, I have a lot of questions from you people, and I, I like the cut of your jib. <laughs> and here is the first question. I wish this, I'm kind of guessing this is a gentleman, but I don't know. Uh, but I wish this gentleman put his name on it. Um, Sarah, this question is for you. Assuming Trump is elected, resolved, <laughs> the assassination <laughs> of a tyrant is justified to save our democracy. Yes or no? <laughs> Violence is never the answer. No. JV, I'm the like, only one who's going to stay out of jail. Hold on. Hold on. Is the assassination <laughs> take place between the election and the inauguration? And is it ordered by the sitting president? And with it's full so. immunity. <laughs> He's allowed to cross a few lines. Full immunity. Because you can't impeach somebody. <laughs> you can't impeach somebody once they're, you can't impeach and convince them once they're gone. Look, if you don't let a president cross a few lines. Yeah. You're not you even going to have a country, country anymore. Yeah. You won't even have a country anymore. It's the Mitch anymore. McConnell constitutional exemption. The last week of your presidency, free for all. <laughs> can't, if we can't turn around a conviction in time, nothing we can do. Okay. Sir, let me just say my answer. <laughs> um, I do wish the deep state was a little bit better. Can I just say that? <laughs> I just, I'm pretty upset about it. I'm not calling for assassination. I'm really not. But I just, like, the deep state, like... You know, do we, we don't have any video of Donald Trump's, like, tiny dick in, like, a bedroom or anything like, that they can't leak. Like, where is the CIA on all this stuff? You know, like, this deep state that was supposed to stop Donald Trump, they elected Donald Trump. James Comey elected Donald Trump. He went after Hillary. The deep state is terrible. I wish that we had a deep Didn't state. Didn't they find pictures of him crumpling up the documents and putting them in the toilet? Yeah, I guess. I could use something a little better. That's pretty good, I guess. That's pretty good. Um, okay. Um, oh, this is this is another one of my favorite. And they said their name. Thank you, Norman. Uh, did Trump really try to give Biden COVID at the 2020 debate? Yes. <laughs> this is my top conspiracy theory that I've been begging Maggie Haberman to fucking prove and put in the New York Times. Every time I see her, yeah. I mention this to Maggie Haberman. I'll pass that along. We should go back and watch that debate and see how often Trump, like, because he was, he was like it. a rabid dog yeah. in that debate. But, like, did he get physically in his space? Did we see yeah, him he, do that? I don't know. We should watch the video because uh, he knew he had it. Um, okay, JVL, this question is for you. Serious question. Who 172 was who? my LSAT <laughs> score. 
Who beats Donald Trump in 2028? I don't know if that's a primary or general no election question. No, I mean, his, his goal is to die in office, I think, right? I mean, this is the, I think this is very clear, and he has, he has said as much. He has said uh, last time around, he said, you know, uh, what was his, the exact phrase he used was, I think, uh, they treated me so unfairly in my first term that we're going to have a conversation about getting a makeup term, and we'll... We'll have a negotiation and we'll figure something out. And this is. And everybody is, will be very happy. Everybody will, be, will yeah. come up with some beautiful things. Yeah. And uh, this, is, this is what his goal is. And for people who say, like, oh, it couldn't happen, my answer is who's going to stop him? Who's going to stop him? Right? Uh, and I. I yeah. I think about that period all the time where they were supposed to be starting the transition and they just weren't. You didn't. And nobody knew what to do. Right. There's no, like, election police that walks in and says, yeah, you got to start turning over the documents. This is, I, I mean, I, I, I wrote about this a little bit, too. I'm sure you didn't read it. Um, <laughs> it as we were in the final days of, of January of 2021, I did think to myself, I wonder if he leaves. Because if he doesn't leave the White House on January 20th, who's going to stop him, right? And at that point, you wind up at the, at the level of, well, we got to call the Joint Chiefs of Staff and see who they're loyal to and who they're willing to take orders from. And before you tell me I'm a crazy person about this, we saw a version of this on January 6th where they were taking orders from Mike Pence when they shouldn't have been. And the reason they were taking orders from Mike Pence is because the President of the United States would not execute his duties. So, you know, we, we've already had them. That, that was a case where it was, it was good <laughs> out of the chain of command, Right. You could have that bad out of the chain of command. That's this is what constitutional crises are. Right. They're where you don't know what to do uh, because there's not – because it depends on certain norms like – And we're going to have a constitutional crisis no matter what, right? No matter what happens come, come November, whether it is a guy who, you know, who says he hasn't been defeated or who has been defeated or he's won but there are, there are criminal cases proceeding against him. I mean, this is the idea that, like, oh, well, we just have to beat him at the ballot box. That is not true, right? You have to beat him at the ballot box, then you're going to have to beat him in the courts, and then you're going to have to hope that everything else holds. And you're also going to have to beat him by a lot. Like, it really can't be super close uh, because there will, be, there will be violence if it's close. Tim, ask another question. Yeah, some yeah, people I like this. No, I want uh, I I to go back, take you back to the Young Republicans Clubhouse for a minute. Uh, a couple of the, couple of the smarter ones, not the guy in the Roger Stone shirt, um, uh, were you know wanted to kind of debate me a little bit and like debate I, me, bro. Yeah, exactly. And so I cornered a couple of them on this point. I was like, it was not a peaceful transfer of power. It was the first time ever. And like, why, and I was like, do you believe there's a zero percent chance that he will try to stay in power? Zero percent chance. And they're kind of like. You know, because they started at the, he's not going to be a dictator. You're, you have TDS. And I was like, do you believe it's a 0% chance? A couple of them were like, I don't know, 5%. I was like, that's bad. <laughs> like, that's not five. You ever a 5% chance of dictatorship? Like, that's really You're bad. You're about to board a plane, and we, somebody says to you, there is a 95% chance that this plane doesn't crash. <laughs> like, Are you getting on the plane? Of course no. not. And then one of them chimes in, like, oh, you know, Trump emperor, would it really be that bad? This is the thing, though. I mean... And there will be some of those... So who cares what a 24-year-old thinks? But there, there will be... Within... But it was, it was a representative of what a Trump administration would be. 
right? That there would be some people in there that would be like, this would be bad, we shouldn't do it. But there will be a handful of Jeffrey Clarks in there that it's like, would it really be that bad to keep If 30% of the party strongly wants him to stay in there to the point that they will rush the Capitol for him, then the other part of the party gets scared of that. And then who's there to execute the things? Yeah. Who's there to make it happen? Uh, I took this question in a funnier way. You guys took it in the dark way. I was, I was taking it in the way of uh, Donald Trump. The, the question originally was, if you remember, who beats Trump oh, in 2028? Yeah. I took it as Trump's going to lose the general election and then win the primary and then win the primary <laughs> again in 2028. <laughs> who beats Trump in the 2028 primary? Because I don't think anybody. I think Trump could win another, another primary in 2028. So sit on that. You might think we're done with them. No, we're never done with them. Not until death. Uh, real quick, real quick. Michelle Obama Hold on, hold on, says, hold on. I'm being dead serious about this. A show of hands, who thinks that Donald Trump could lose a Republican primary any time before his death? I'm being serious, not glib. Because my, my view is that he will win every Republican primary he enters until he dies. Yes? yes? Really? He would at least be a clear favorite. In 2028. It'd be a clear favorite. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Michelle Obama says, when they go low, we go high. James Carville says, mock his dirty diaper. (laughs) Who is right and why? This is actually a complicated messaging question. And it really comes down to like, Charlie always says, you know, the problem is a clown with a flamethrower still has a flamethrower. And so you run the risk Right. You, yes, you want to mock him, and that diminishes him to some degree, but it also then diminishes the severity of the threat, and the threat is real in terms of how dangerous he is, and so I don't think mocking is not sufficient. Um, I don't know why Adam Kinzinger has decided so much that Trump smelling is like, become the now, this is what we've really got to focus has, on. Has anybody asked Adam, is it true, or is it a bit? I didn't ask him, because I... We'll yeah. see if we can get an answer before the show ends. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll ask the next question while I text it, while I text Adam. Okay. Famous people. Oh, I know. Danielle, you didn't answer. Go low or go high. Where where are you on that one? Me? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you don't want to be indicted on RICO charges, you should probably go high. Uh I, no, I mean, against Trump, I don't think it matters. Um, like, he just is. He's a force of nature. And I'm sorry, he's what? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if he could spell it, maybe he would be. Uh, he's, but, you know, he is what he is. and He's the gazpacho. The gazpacho. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, Sarah, you didn't answer JVL when he asked this, so we will uh, follow up from the crowd. Uh, regarding your column in the New York Times today, I don't know if you saw Sarah Longwell's in the New York Times today. Uh, I, wrote a, I had to write a companion piece for the Bulwark so he wouldn't freak out. Oh, that was nice. Yeah. Um, of past Trump cabinet members who no longer support him, uh, do you think any of them will come out in public to support Biden? Yes, I do. I do. Uh, and, you know... Uh, <laughs> There, I, I didn't answer this before because you're setting me up, but like, I do think there should be an effort to organize former Trump administration officials. What might this be called? I think somebody will do that. Uh, and I think it will be good to have people who saw him up close, uh, who are credible messengers about what they saw, who will... The thing about the, the former officials is like, John Kelly, I said this in the piece, they feel like, they feel like they're saying it. 
they feel like they're telling people and they feel like it's not mattering, that nobody, what he called it, like a half day's bounce, you know? Yeah. The problem is, is you cannot talk to the Atlantic and to the New York Times, which is where the piece was, so, you know. But my, my piece is aimed at them, right? I'm saying you guys have to do this in a relentless, consistent way because voters need to hear it, and you are a credible messenger for voters. Um, I, I, what I find astounding, many of these people are generals. They sent men and women to die for this country. Presumably they would have died for this country. And the idea that they are now afraid to stand up for democracy by simply saying what they saw, and the idea that, oh, well, I'm a general, I can't be political, when you have worked in a Republican administration for Donald Trump is asinine. And so I do think, I think people often... Uh, we have seen a lot of people disappoint us because we thought they would say something when they didn't. But I do think this is a, there are a number of people, lots of them won't, but I do think some of them will, and I think All it's right, going to matter. Let's go through some names. Uh, what do we think? Sexy Rexy Tillerson? We think he does the no. right thing? No, Mark Esper's are, Mark Esper is out there doing it. Sonny Perdue, agriculture? <laughs> he does the right thing? I don't think is he's Wilbur Ross be... still alive? Nice. I don't think he'll do the right thing. It's a pretty bleak list. Uh, Mulvaney, I guess. Uh, ooh, Elaine, Elaine Chow. I mean, he made fun of her. He made racist attacks on her. You think she does the right thing? Maybe Elaine Chow? No. No hope for Elaine Chow? Uh, I don't have hope for Elaine Chow. I, uh, my hope is for the Linda general. McMahon, former WWE <laughs> wife? No? Gee, how many Biden, former Biden admission, uh, administration officials are coming out to talk about how dangerous he is? I forget. What, what's the number exactly? Is it four of them? Why are you saying it like them? you're accusing me? Yeah. I didn't know. I'm just saying that, that the fact that it's like zero from Biden, and then the other is like, hey, we've got 17 people who worked up close with him who say he's a danger to American democracy. It's like a whole cabinet right there. And yeah. It's like yeah. voters just go, ah, you, you, know, I got, you know what's funny going through this list? As you were, as you were going through it, you're like, my God, he churned through people like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. It was really hard to do a research project on all his cabinet members because there's a million of them because they kept getting fired. Oh, we'll get Kristen Nielsen. So yeah. she's probably number one on our list, most yeah. likely. Kristen, I would say. No. Um, you don't think so? Oh, I, Esper, Esper. Es Esper's number one. Um, uh, while I go through this list, here's a concerning I think Kelly anecdote. will. Kelly, yeah. Here's a concerning anecdote unrelated to the question. I think uh, John Ratcliffe, I don't know if you remember him. He was the head of the DNI. Uh, when, I was, uh, when I was with Steve Bannon uh, interviewing him uh, during, on the off-camera, uh, we he was talking about how uh, I, was, I was getting too nervous about the Trump cabinet, and it won't be as quite as many people that want to put me in a gulag as I think. And he's like, you know, he's like, you forget about Trump. You know, he's like, uh, he's like, for example, nobody mentions the name Ratcliffe. Ratcliffe's going to either be the head of DOD or the NSA. And I was like, okay, why? And he was like, uh, well, because he didn't criticize January 6th and because he's got a two handicap. Trump likes to golf with him. So, anyway. Do you ever think that if people elect Trump again, picks anybody based it. on handicap? Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, this is, we kind of talked about this, but I, I do. I, I just think give a brief follow-up answer to this because it's something we talked about. Everybody's hoping that once people see Trump more, they remember what they hate about him, as this person points out. But he's already doing. It. He's saying shit every day. His legal woes is on the news. It's not clear that the media can cover him more without people tuning him out. Is it really going to change? I think so. Uh, in large part, although. I, I think it's going to change uh, not just because of the media covering him. 
he's going to say crazy things. And also, he has been very structured. So the other thing about Joe Biden and people seeing him, Joe Biden, if we're honest, if we're honest. Careful. Often doesn't look great. Okay, everyone calm down. Uh, okay. He doesn't. And, he doesn't. I, the, the, I went home the other night. Tyler was asleep. The, the light is out in the room, and I'm kind of walking around the room trying to, like, not bump into anything. And I think to myself, I kind of feel like Joe Biden right now. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't intentional. It just yeah. comes into your brain. I think he's a, he I think does he's look, fine. He's he looks uneasy. Yeah. I have a question for you guys about this, though. The, the media stuff. Okay, but just hold, can I just I'm finish, sorry, let me finish this thought, which is... I think that Donald Trump took when he went on that CNN thing with Caitlyn and he like railroaded her and everyone freaked out. And I think part of the reason they freaked out at CNN, everyone was mad at CNN yeah. for putting him on, was that people really were nervous about how good he seemed, yeah. like how with it and how much he was railroading her. I think like someone gave him a shot of B12. Like, I don't think he's that good all the time. I think he is going to struggle. Both of these guys are going to have to keep a campaign pace and he's got to be in court the whole time. Like, I just, I think it's going to be hard on him, and I think it'll start to show. Yeah, I agree. I think we have a couple people close to Joe Biden in the crowd, and I think I don't think that amphetamines are a problem for him. That's just my opinion. I think if we want to feed him a few little little uppers, little zoomers. Greenies. A little yeah. few greenies. I'm okay me, with that. Let me ask you um, a, a, a serious question, though, about the media stuff. So I obsess over the media's bizarre both sidesism and false equivalents, like the was it, who was it, AP, who on January 6th were like, you know, one day, two remembrances. You know, <laughs> I guess two questions. First of all, do we think the media will get better at this? No. But, so part B, does it matter? And it doesn't matter? You guys think it matters that they, yeah? Do you think it would make a difference if the media was? I think it matters on the yeah. edges. I don't, uh, there's the, the, ant, the kind of media critic pundit, like the Nate Silver class of the world, the contrarian kind of crowd is like, you anti-Trumpers like wanted the media to cover less than Trump less in 2016, and now you want to cover him more, and like you're not consistent, and you're just trying to blame the media for everything. And I'm like, well, no, that that makes sense. Like in 2015, the media was Donald Trump was like not a serious candidate initially, and the media made him into one by showing his speeches like completely unfettered constantly. And like now he's been the president and he's the leading contender and like we have people have to see him. Like I didn't li like I didn't like the fact that that the networks didn't show his his victory speech. CNN cut away and I was like Yeah. And this didn't show it, the networks didn't show it. I was like, people need to fucking see him. People need to see him. I, I do think it matters. I missed Brickman because I was on I was watching CNN. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even see him come up. Um, okay. Uh, from downstairs, may I buy you all whiskey? Yes, I'll be in the back. Um, from downstairs, overflow. What do you three say to the proposition that the GOP base is way too racist and sexist to ever have made Haley the nominee? True. Yeah, okay. It's yeah. a good one. On that same topic, JVL. Can uh, I just say, though, that that is, wait, that is not the main reason, though, that Nikki Haley is not winning. The main reason Nikki Haley is not winning is because she is a Republican from 2014, and the party is not interested in Republicans from 2014. But five out of our seven New Hampshire uh, focus group participants definitely said they preferred male presidents. Yeah. Which was very cool. Yeah, you know, we have, we have a colleague who has a thesis on this, which is that Republican voters love the idea of having one of their own be, you know, a woman or a minority when it comes to actually voting for them, like that never seems to materialize. 
And that is kind of true, right? Like Herman Cain, Michelle Bachman, all these, you know, you get these moments of like, oh, yeah, we really, oh, we really like that. Oh, I'm going to hum right? And then, and then it comes to voting like, no, we'll take the white guy, please. Trump's VP is going to be uh, a woman or uh, a person of color. Do you, do you hear the people keep throwing around I Ben think, Carson lately? I don't Carson. I had a little uh, reporter rumor me the Ben Carson thing. Sarah Huckabee Sanders was the other one. Oh. <laughs> It'll be J.D. Vance. <laughs> I just, I don't think that Sarah Huckabee Sanders looks the part. Elise Stefanik, I agree with you. I don't, I don't know that Elise Stefanik looks the part. Okay, I just, and that isn't me saying that. I just, Donald Trump wants someone that looks the part. People on Reddit got That's, very angry with me for saying that Trump won't pick her because of looks. And they told I was being looksist. And that I was a terrible person for me. You were being hominin attack. You, and they stuff. couldn't even see what you were doing. You held up a picture of Shmoo to me. That's what she looks like. No. Can I just say also she that is a Elise, perfectly lovely, normal-looking yeah. person. She's bad she's on the not inside. Perfectly lovely. She's bad inside. And it's starting to show on the outside. That's my point. I knew Elise Stefanik in 2012, and I thought she looked great. And I just like it's like the lesions on Trump. Like sometimes when your insides are so ugly, occasionally it. As an impact. I, I just understand Trump's defined. He's very visual. He wants a clean look. Trump Pence. He Think wants the, to look the, nice. The graphic design of it. Stephonic to all those consonants. Brit. Brit was good. That was a good one. Trump Brit. Carson. I, I'm interested in Ben Carson. Now, he did. I, it's, it's been a while. We've fucking lived so long since 2016. But if I remember correctly, didn't Trump... Like, tell a story about how Ben Carson tried to stab somebody once on stage in 2016. And he was like, Ben Carson is unstable. He tried to stab his brother back when he grew up in the ghetto. Maybe he, he was a gangbanger. That happened, right? right? A gangbanger? He called yes, him a gangbanger. Like he was a surgeon. His knives was, he was doing surgery. He separated I'm not saying that Ben Carson did that. I'm just saying that that would be a big shift. From Trump to, you know, go from gangbanger to vice president. Well, yeah, I don't know if you've seen Ben Carson on Fox lately, but he is out there stumping for Trump hard. You think he won? I will, I'll bet you a watch yeah. he wouldn't pick a black VP. I just, I just can't, can't say. I think the innate racism is too deep. Okay. Um, I've got a very serious question for you. We've had no policy questions. We have one policy question. How much time do we have? Then I have a funny one. Great. We have 10 minutes. What's your opinion on the expansion of the Supreme Court? We have a serious Aww. person out there. They're not, they don't want to know. No, this, that person is just wants to pick a fight between me and JVL. You're. <laughs> Did you write this question? Did they mention essay, uh, LSAT scores in that question? <laughs> Jim, no. Uh, no, I'm, I'm basically against expanding the Supreme Court. I want more states. You do I want, want more I want states. Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. to be states, but I'm basically. I'm in favor of Supreme Court reform. I think expansions the best. I think you have to term limit them a little bit. And I like the idea of, of having regularized retirements, right? So it's like 10-year yeah. term. Years. Eight, or 18 years, whatever it is, so that you're not in this death match every election cycle where, like, well, we, how many? Maybe this guy will get four appointments, and this guy would only get just, like, Well, they're going to start appointing, like, 23-year-olds pretty yeah. soon so that they yeah. can have 90 years on the bench. Yeah. I mean, the problem is that that's completely impractical. You just can't get from there to here because of the the way the Constitution is written on this stuff. So, you know, one more, yay, democracy. Like, we're just too ossified to, to make okay. the sensible thing happen. Well, can, I'm, well, Tim is throwing out that I, don't, I think that why should, they did steal a Supreme Court seat. Yeah. They stole a Supreme Court seat. 
They stole one. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down. I'm not that woke. Okay. They stole one. All right. And so it what, you're going to make it 10 and it's going to be evens? Even Steven, sure, or eleven. I don't know. We can have uh, we can have Merrick Garland pick the eleven. You know, we can have a neutral party pick the eleventh. <laughs> Joe Biden gets to pick the tenth. I'm open to it. I mean, they this did, sounds like it's going to work. They great. did steal yeah. one. They didn't. You don't think they stole one? They stole. I one. thought they did a bad faith maneuver. I don't they know that one. stealing is. I mean, it was, all the, right, same, all it was right. the same exact situation. The it was the same exact situation in 2016 and 2020. Yeah, no, they they did the, they did a bad thing. I. They, but they operated within, within the rules. I think they stole one, but I do think Brett Kavanaugh has been surprisingly good. <laughs> uh, I think we could use two more, but keep Brett on there. He's doing a nice job. Okay. Uh, all right. Another not touchy subject. Bidenomics didn't resonate. Are we sure? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Morning Joe does not like Bidenomics. This is a Morning Joe viewer. Um, <laughs> Uh, so what can the administration do to close the gap between people's perception of the economy and the actual performance of the economy? Jonathan Last, do you have any thoughts on this? I have no earthly idea because people's perceptions of the economy as it pertains – I was looking at a bunch of poll data on this today. People say the economy is going great for them. They, they, I mean, the actual data on how they're doing is that the economy is going great for them. They feel as though the economy is going great for them. All of the it's bad stuff is just, but the economy is bad. They do this with crime, right? All crime is down over the last year. People still think crime is increasing. They think inflation is going up still. I don't, what do we do with people who are too dumb to be entrusted with democracy? I got to tell you. Don't I, clap when he okay. does this. Do you know, Sarah, do I want you know to push back on him, but do you know what democracy she has to live is? with me. Democracy don't encourage is the me. people who vote. Okay, the people are the ones that vote. That's democracy. Hold on. Can and I look where that got us. Go ahead. I no, I, I was going to wait. I was just going to say before you answered in your, because I think you're going to be on this side. I got to tell you, I was at Mazarin Coffee across the street, and Bidenomics has hit Market Street. I want to tell you. <laughs> I got $12 to, I, coffee. I used to be able to go into Mazarin and get my little avocado toast with a poached egg and an and a iced coffee and have it be a gentleman's fifteen ninety nine back in 2019. <laughs> that baby cost me 22 bucks today, and that is annoying. And so I, I think might there's an want, avocado shortage. So, yeah, or so I might, I might want an autocrat. Tokyo Biden lowers the price avocado, of avocado, <laughs> avocado cost. Oh, that's yeah. a great idea. Uh, anyway, push back on JVL. Anyway, if you're fans, what of could show, Biden actually do? Yeah, actually, then so part of it, there's vibes. Like it's good. The good news is it's vibes, right? If the actual economy is improving and people don't feel it, that means a lot of it is vibes, and you can solve vibes with good communication strategy. And the one thing that the Biden administration is really, really bad at is having a communication strategy in which they deploy tons of surrogates. The idea that Joe Biden, at 90,000 years old, should be the chief communications person out there giving speeches about the economy is not correct. Like, you should have Josh Shapiro and Abigail Spanberger and Alyssa Slotkin and Gretchen Whitmer. And everybody loves the governors right now. Send all your governors. Why aren't they on TV? Everybody thinks their states are doing great. I'm also kind of tired of the competition in the podcast space, so we can get the pod bros back out there, okay? Maybe shouldn't they actually be working on campaigns? Jen Psaki. There is a shocking lack of surrogates. The only one who does it is stupid Gavin Newsom. Oh, sorry. I forgot. I forgot where I am. Uh. 
asking. I had to. Gavin Newsom is fucking awful, and I've had to vote for him 17 times because you had so many recalls. So I had to suck it up and do it. He's fine, but we could. But he at least he goes out there and he goes on Fox News and he argues with them and he pitches Joe Biden's energy policy. He gets into them with policy debates, and I'm like, don't make me say good things about Gavin Newsom. And everybody else needs to go do this, though. I agree. I'm a little worried. Um, I'm a little worried it's not vibes. I just, I, I continue to stand by. He's I understand totally the data. Vibes. I understand the data. I just, I, I just, I go back to my father and I'm starting to feel like my father. We all turn into our parents. And it's just like, I remember being a teenager and being like, all right, dad, I'm taking my younger brother out. I'm 16. Like, we're going to go to McDonald's. And like, he gave me 10 bucks. And I'm like, this doesn't work. Any- like, this is how much it costs to go to McDonald's when you were 16, right? But now it costs more, all right? And, and, and that's annoying, but it was annoying to him for me to have to go back to him and be like, you have to give me 20 bucks, actually. And then he'd give it to me and he'd be annoyed. And this is everybody's constant life, right? And, and people are going to get used to it eventually, but it takes time to get used to it. And I understand what you're saying, JVL. I'm not saying that we're in an economic collapse or in an economic crisis, but I do worry about that. That, like, that, that Joe Biden is up against people's constant annoyance that they that everything costs a little bit more than they they were used to it costing and i and i recognize that that does not mean the economy's awful or we're in great recession 2.0 or whatever but which is where communications comes in you have to have people go out there and be like donald trump mismanaged covid caused us to go into this economic collapse you know who dug us out of it joe biden and things are still too expensive and we need to push costs down but we're the ones who gave us this soft landing and we need to keep working on it like there is a message there they just don't have anybody delivering it we are only i believe that you guys are only saying this because we are looking at the reality now as it is and trying to explain it to ourselves if you wind the clock back and i said to you uh hey four years from now a million Americans are going to die from a pandemic that was mishandled. And also, the price of avocado toast is going to go up a little bit. Which of these two things do you believe that voters will take as dispositive and will make them to choose what they're, how they're going to cast their vote? Right? We all would have said... I would know it's the avocado toast. Yeah. No, would you, though? I mean... I, yeah? No, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I like, I, I think we are living in a fundamentally irrational moment. And so, I, I agree with you that. know, maybe, maybe better comms can help, but maybe it won't. Maybe, maybe what helps will be something that, that's as stupid as Biden says something that people all of a sudden flip in their heads and decide, yeah, he's like a crazy old grandpa. He's not like scary old. He's funny old. You know, like, I just, and we are at the mercy of just like fortune, and that terrifies me. All right, it's not true. <laughs> there are things that they can do about it. They can run a campaign. That's what they're for, and they should start it right now. I, I, I kind of agree with both of you. I think they should run a campaign. I think that the best thing that can happen, though, is that hopefully, like, if there's just a lack, and 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 and, yeah. coming to, and people coming to terms with their own budgets, and like you pay taxes in April, and like people are kind of like, oh wait a minute, like I thought that I, I was in more dire straits than I actually am because it feels like I have more outflows. Anyway, I, I'm hopeful there's a lag. We had a good podcast with Noah Smith about this. People should listen to it. I love this question, so I'm going to give it to myself. Um, I get it at every panel I'm on, at every group of people like you. Uh, when in the future do you see there being a meaningful electoral constituency for moderate politics on the national stage again? Okay, I got this question from nine straight people in Aspen. 
last summer, all right? And I was like, the governor of this state is a free market, libertarian, Democrat, moderate, Jared Polis. The president is Joe Biden, who's like an 80-year-old moderate. Like, there is a moderate coalition right now. It's in the Democratic Party. I, I didn't pick that. I don't love, but like, that is just reality. And like, sh- are there a bunch of crazy lefties? Yeah. Is your board of supervisors insane? Yeah. Is your state legislature a little bit insane? Yeah. Gavin has to veto a tackle football ban. <laughs> That's a little fucking weird. So yeah, there are crazy there are crazy lefties out there, no doubt. But did you also overthrow the DA here and replace him and replace him with Brooke Jenkins, who's a very normal central left DA in liberal San Francisco? Yeah. Did Joe Biden win a primary? Yeah. So like right now. Maybe in four years or in eight years or 12 years, the Democratic Party will go crazy, too, and we can all come back and chat about that. But that's but like, actually not now, the trajectory of the Democratic Party. Yeah. I mean, over the, since Trump has been office, the Democratic Party has acted incredibly pragmatically, and now they've got this incredibly strong bench. You know, it used to be that you were super progressive. Like, part of being a progressive meant that you supported LGBT rights or you were, uh, you know, very pro-choice. But now you can be a moderate Democrat and believe those things. And there's a whole bunch of them that are sort of economic centrists and and they're social moderates but they believe in sort of general progressive planks the things that used to make somebody a progressive and they can get they can bring in all of the red dog democrats all of the people like us even just be cool man just be cool yeah even fetterman's been mod-pilled now there's your boy i wrote Uh, about that too (laughs) (laughs) all right last question everybody asked this so uh this person asked it the most simple simple way what is to be done Or more specifically, what can they do? A lot of people ask that. What can yeah. we do besides fret? Do you want me to answer that? Yes. Okay. You're the leader. Yeah. Uh, so the number one thing is that, uh, and I say a version of this almost at every show, any authoritarian playbook has a central thing that it's trying to do, which is exhaust people. It wants people to feel exhausted. It's the reason that Donald Trump says all the things. He takes this position and that position. While you're trying to chase down what the truth is, you get tired. And when the media is trying to cover him and all the insanity, it gets tired and things start to get baked in. And and we face this election, Joe Biden and Donald Trump, which maybe people haven't grokked yet, but everybody in this room has. And you get tired at the idea of like, we're going to do this thing again. So the number one thing you can do is to not get exhausted and to tell all your friends not to get exhausted and that, you know, we're political pundits and we want to tell you the truth about what we think. And so we're going to say the things we think about Joe Biden. But the fact is, Joe Biden's the guy. And we're all going to have to figure out how to go help people understand that this guy is the one we all have to support. And so don't get tired. Don't look at it. And just I get very frustrated with Democrats because I think you can't, somebody said this to me the other day, and it's cheesy, but I liked it because I, you know, but you can't roll up your sleeves when you're wringing your hands. And so, you know, got to roll up your sleeves. Um, all right, guys, before we go, I've got one final gift for you. I hope somebody's videoing. Lori, are you vis- videoing? All right, I just received a text back from Adam Kinzinger. <laughs> I really thank Adam for just being a hero. Um, Uh, He replies, all real, smells like a dog with mayonnaise and armpits and human rectum. Thank you, guys. (laughs) We'll see you all next time. We'll see you all out back. Yeah, we'll see you out there. Thank you, San Francisco. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you.